You may have been wondering why there are paintings scattered throughout the screens this morning, but if you took a look at the notes, it would have given you a little tip to that. Uh, in my title, Abstract Masterpieces in the Crumbling Ruins of the Divinely Created Cathedral Known as Planet Earth. That's easy for me to say, but uh, it's not. That's a mouthful. Um, I want to point out one that was up a little while ago. Before I get started, two things actually. But first, in Starry Night, uh, Van Gogh's painting, which is probably my favorite, you might notice that the church is darkened. It's the only darkened building and thing besides that rock, that mountain that's in there. Um, Van Gogh felt that there was not light in the church at the time, and I don't remember ex his exact reasonings for that. But may that not be true, uh, at least of us. May that not be true, that light cannot be found. You need to know, though, especially in our culture, that is how many people feel about the church. Not necessarily ours, I hope not, but about the church in general. Our culture does not see the church as a place of light. That may only be their perspective, and I hope that is the case. We need to make sure that it is not true. It may be their viewpoint, but it, that does not mean that it is truth. That's one. Two, I want to take you back to Pastor Benji's sermon last week. He quoted John Flavel, a Puritan. So I want to remind you of that with something that Pastor Benji said. God is orchestrating through divine providence everything in your life with profound wisdom, infinite tenderness, and incessant vigilance. Let me say that again, because I love how that, that from last week ties in to where we're going this week. God is orchestrating through divine providence everything in your life with profound wisdom, infinite tenderness, and incessant vigilance. In October 2016, one of the moms that's on my youth staff, Shirley Decker, posted on Facebook about the soon-to-be-released album by Christian rapper Show Baraka. And I love that it is from a mom that's on our youth staff uh, that a rap song was brought to my attention for so many reasons. But it starts with this, I love rap. I have an extensive collection of very early Christian rap in particular. Much of it is not very good at all uh, at the time. But if you go to 80s rap, that kind of is true of many of it, or much of it anyways. It is not uh, a finished art form. It was one that was in process and gaining its legs, uh, Christian rap in particular. But of recent stuff, I had not paid much attention to show, to show Baraka. And it wasn't until my former employer, Lifeway, I only worked for them a little while. I'm, I don't mean for that uh, a little while during uh, a part of college. I don't mean for that to be like I was a big wig at Lifeway. But they got news for pulling his album from stores. And so in my orneriness and my love for rap and having connection with Lifeway, I finally made the decision to buy it as not so much a protest against Lifeway, but just a, okay, it's time to get this album and see what's up. So I bought it, and it stole my heart. It reduced me to ashes then and still at various points, and it shot to the top of my playlist, much to my daughter's chagrin. It's not her favorite album but I play it often when we're in the car, unless it's just her, and then I will refrain for her sake. But one song, one intro, and one line in particular is what caught my attention. In the word, song Words 2006, Shobaraka, in speaking of his non-communicative autistic sons, he says this, quote, My sons are not a punishment or an accident. 
Just a little abstract masterpiece of what the master did, end quote. If you hear that song, it actually was playing as you came in. Rap might not be your style uh, or preference leading into a worship service. It's one I use all the time. But you may not like rap. I don't understand what's wrong with you, but that's okay. You, we all have our own musical selections and preferences. But in that song, one of the way, or the thi- thing that catches many people's attention is the start. There's some noise, and you can't tell if it ties into the song before it or the song that's coming. But when you know his story and you pay attention to it, you come to realize it is his son's, and it is not a particularly good day. And those of you who have family members with special needs, you know those days. The days where you probably wouldn't want it recorded. And yet he put it in his song to start. And then he follows it up eventually with that line. That is why it caught my heart. My oldest has Asperger's. He is on the autism spectrum, for those of you who don't know. And also, in case you hadn't noticed, God is a master artist And he often works in the abstract. That last part is not something we like most of the time. We are fine with God being an artist, doing beautiful things in our lives. We don't like the moments when it becomes abstract. A little more difficult to see, perhaps. But arguably, even all the more artistic. So we're going to look at a number of passages today that talk about God being a master artist. And it starts in Genesis. God, the master artist, made a universe that is more amazing than the Louvre or Notre Dame. Genesis 1.31. And God saw everything that he had made. Everything. Even mosquitoes and possums. Unless you want to argue that mosquitoes are part of the plagues that come later. But everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. Very good. We live in that beauty and sometimes it's hard to see, but other times it isn't. But when it's hard to see, it's because we don't live in that moment anymore. That is how it was made. But then it was destroyed, like the recently destroyed cathedral of Notre Dame. Sin left the masterful architecture of this world a crumbling set of ruins. Romans 8, 18 through 23 talks about this. Sorry, I turned one page too far. That was not the verse I was looking for. Here we go, Romans 8, 18 through 23. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Notice the word sufferings. They exist now. They didn't. When it was made in in its very good state, there was no suffering. But then sin broke it. Sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. Verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation 
has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Sin destroyed that masterpiece. Our sin has continued to destroy that masterpiece. We live in the in-between moments. It is redeemed but we are still waiting for its restoration. And so now we groan and our world groans and there is longing for what's to come and there is regret missing what has passed and we live in the suffering moments. We live in a masterpiece that has been ravaged and broken and in some ways seems discarded and demolished and destroyed. And yet, and it is important that you catch the theological significance of the order here, and yet God, the master artist, still creates each person as a masterpiece. Seven billion. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am Fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none. You need to catch that theological significance. This is post-fall. David is writing a truth, a theological truth that still holds weight. Even after the fall, we are each masterpieces made at the hands of a master artist. And I love talking about this with our students, teenagers especially, need to know this, but you probably need to know this too, to remind yourself. Not that you are perfect and everyone should adore you, although that's okay to a degree, but that God made you a masterpiece, and that declaration is made by David after the fall. Wonderfully made comes after the brokenness, after the fall. And that means some things for our world. Autism is both brokenness and wonderfully made. Down syndrome is both brokenness and wonderfully made. And somebody needs to go tell Europe whose plans to eradicate Down syndrome simply means aborting all Down's babies. Their goal and their action in some parts of Europe, has taken it down to 1% or less of their communities, not because they have healed Down syndrome, but because they simply kill them. And there's a stigma for parents that choose not to. And that is offensive. And it makes me mad. Tourette's syndrome is both brokenness and wonderfully made. Epilepsy is both brokenness and wonderfully made. I don't know what special needs might impact your family, but it is both brokenness and impact of sin. But the better truth is it is still wonderfully made. It is an abstract masterpiece at the hands of a master artist. 
David declared it so. And God, through David, declared it so. There's a picture that's going to appear on the screen by David Wiltshire. It's an 18-foot drawing that he made after one helicopter ride. And if I remember right, he is on the autism spectrum. If I'm correct, it's the city of New York. He took one flight, and then he drew it from memory. And as far as we know, it's perfect. I couldn't do that at all, let alone after one flight and from memory. But the reality of his life, as any family of special needs will know, is growing up and through school, there would have been many times where nobody knew what to do. But the world knows now what to do. It's to buy his artwork. He is a masterpiece at the hands of master artists. It's not just special needs. Every part of our life is wrapped in brokenness, but also fearfully and wonderfully made. This, by the way, is part of why pro-life is the biblical position. Could you imagine invading Picasso's studio and destroying art that he was still working on but had not yet finished? And that is the picture of Psalm 139. And the picture of abortion destroying it, grace to anyone who has had or encouraged an abortion. But the biblical stance is clear. Each of us live in the tension of both brokenness and wonderfully made. And the last three verses that I've shared, non-Christians in the room, you need to know this, those are true for you, whether you acknowledge God or not. The next verses that I'm going to read are promises that are unique to Christians. There may certainly be times that God can work these truths into the lives of anyone, but they are promises that are uniquely made to Christians, that this is true for every one of us. And if you don't know Christ, who we will celebrate at communion, I encourage you to pause and think about what the gospel is. And it starts with this, we are all broken, we are all sinners. If you are not ready for that truth, you are simply not ready for the gospel. I am broken. That's where every Christian in this room has started. I am broken. My sin is brokenness. But the gospel continues on. God has redeemed it. For his work on the cross that we just celebrated at Easter, God restores and he forgives our sin. And these next set of verses come out of that. But if you don't know that, I would encourage you to pause and dwell on the gospel at the same time that you hear these verses. If these are verses you want true in your life, Talk to the Christian who invited you today or to me or somebody else and say, explain the gospel again to me. I want that, but I do not follow Christ. And yet the gospel is simple. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. If we confess him as king, as Lord, we are saved. We don't do anything. We believe, we confess, he did the work. We put our trust in him. We cry out to our king, and we say, Lord, save me. And he says, I did. That is the spiritual reality. And these truths that are coming from Scripture are true of anyone who calls on the name of Christ. 
The next one is this. God, the master artist, is also a master art conservator. In case you don't know that word, I had to look it up. I knew it existed, but I didn't know, couldn't remember what the word was. It's the name for someone who restores art. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 20 is a terrific verse about being an ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Have you heard somebody preach on this before? Paul ditches grammar. At least he ditches good English. Um, he utilizes Greek grammar. That's what he spoke. He didn't know English w- would even exist. But he ditches the grammar and he shouts. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. He leaves out that he is a. He can't wait. He doesn't care. He emphasizes it because they didn't have highlighters and bold and italics and computers to work with. And he just screams it out in his writing. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if they're forgiven, if their brokenness is redeemed, new creation, God restored. He made a masterpiece again. Another Christian rapper, Lecrae, in a quote from his song, 820, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll come back to that. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is talking about this. Some of you love Thomas Kincaid. I actually do. I like him. But there has been a trend of picking up Thomas Kincaid's from thrift stores and garage sales and renewing them like this. It's mostly sci-fi people, but they add a little bit of Star Wars, or in this case, Godzilla. They add an Ewok or an AT-AT. The Ewok's the little furry guy. The AT-AT's the machine. I, I'll name all of those, so I'll stop now because most of you have no idea what I'm talking about. May the fourth be with you from yesterday. I forgot to wish that to anybody. But God does something amazing in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He takes broken and discarded masterpieces that are devastated by sin and he makes them new and spectacular. An object of attention again. In fact, God the master artist makes abstract masterpieces out of the messiness and brokenness of our lives. Romans 8.28. Now we'll get there. I was getting ahead of myself a little. Romans 8.28. If you don't have this memorized, add it to your memory. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Lecrae, another Christian rapper in his song titled 828, it just comes from that verse, said this, quote, The master artist makes you a masterpiece regardless. End quote. 2002 to 2003 was the toughest year of my life. In one school year, the school year, 365 days, actually less, but the span, not both years, just in one year's time. My oldest had autism attached to him for the first time. We didn't believe it, and we were wrong. My middle son, the tallest in our family, he's taller than me now, for those of you who know him as a baby. Around the age of three, It was suggested that I might have cerebral palsy. We had to process that for a while. Unfortunately, it was not the case. And then in May, right before the week of, actually, right before I was ordained, we got to celebrate my daughter. And one day I went, we knew there were some concerns, but one day I went to get some food from the hospital cafeteria. And as I stepped off of the elevator back on the maternity ward, 
I saw a NICU cart wheel my daughter away, and I did not know if I'd see her again. But several other years recently have established themselves as contenders for the title of the most difficult year of our life as a family. I am a professional worker with teenagers. I understand teens. I love them. I know how they tick, and I have worked with them since I was a teenager myself. And the teen years are tough no matter how great your kids are. Parents of teens, you either have lived that or you are living it now. It was very interesting. My parents, and I will, I will defend this in many ways, were pretty amazing. I know they made mistakes, but it was like they were painting a Monet. I feel all the time like I am a wannabe trying to paint a Pollard, just flinging paint around and hoping it looks good at the end. When it comes to parenting, that's the reality of what I feel. I try to convince my kids that I love them and that they are awesome and that these things are true. And, and I just pray that it all takes. And I see all the ways that I mess up. And that's the reality of parenting teenagers quite often. And so over the past few years, it's been interesting to see some moments step into our life that Tiff and I have had to struggle through as we parent amazing kids who love God, which is all that I want. Grace, you need to know that pain you're experiencing might just be the contours of the sculpture that God is making out of you. It might be the most vibrant colors of the painting that he is creating in your life and your family. And if you could ask a painting or a piece of art or a book as it's being made or edited, if it hurt, it would probably say yes. But when we see that artistry in its completed form, it is beautiful and profound. So step back from it for some perspective. Step back from your pain and fall into the arms of God, the master artist, for comfort. But don't run out of the studio denouncing the artist because of your pain. And all too often, that is what we want to do. Just lean, well, don't just lean into God, though. Certainly, certainly lean into God during painful moments. But also lean into his bride, the local church. And not just the local church of Santa Maria. Serve Santa Maria is excellent, and we need to partner with other Christian churches, God-honoring churches, Bible-believing churches, like Pastor Greg said. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. I mean your church. I mean grace. I mean the place that you consider home, at least today. The consumeristic relationship that our culture has created with the local church pushes us toward leaving and leaving wounded. But the biblical picture of body and family fosters staying and finding healing, if at all possible. There are certainly times to leave a church. I don't mean to imply that there aren't. And sometimes even it's just fit. Or even our friend is going there. As a pastor, I have to recognize those moments. 
But all too often we want to pack up and run away because somebody offended us in a hallway. And the biblical picture is reconciliation. The biblical picture is to push in, not push away. And our culture goes the opposite direction. And it is killing churches. It is demolishing them. This art museum needs more masterpieces made by God, not one more less or loss. This is a display of God's artistry. And we need to stop taking it away. God the master artist also wonderfully claims our sanctification as his work of art. Turn to Ephesians 2 verse 10. This is one that you might have memorized too. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I was recently listening to Sean McDowell uh, on a video on, on YouTube about understanding intelligent design, and he brought up this verse. And when he was speaking of workmanship, he said that it can be translated poem. I had forgotten this. I was talking to Pastor Benji. He said this is spoken of by a lot of people, but I looked it up in my favorite Greek study tool. I just call it R&R because &R I can't remember their names, Rogers of Ronecker or something like that. Uh, I'm happy to show it to you if you ever want to come in and be confounded if you don't understand Greek. But it's great to go back to, and it said, you'll recognize this word, the Greek and English connection. It's the word poema. And it can be translated workmanship, artwork, or poem. Today, by the way, we have a different word for that. Today, we'd call it the spoken word. And for those of you who don't know what spoken word is, let me share a clip of my friend, somebody I met in last October, and he's part of your poema legacy. His name's Alexander James. This may not quite be your style of art or poetry, but I love it, especially since I know him. So we're going to show you a little bit of that. Our tech guys are going to put it up on the screen right now. He held out his right wrist and did the same. My heart began to beat again. You see me, I was drowning in the ways of his love. I was so lost, funny, that my life was being saved because of his blood lost. So how dare we complain like our lives are so hard. We should be grateful that Jesus Christ had a pink dot on his ID card. That video is about eight or nine minutes long. I'd encourage you to look it up. It'll be linked in my sermon notes when they post online later on. And I hope you caught the phrase I used to introduce it beforehand. Your poem a legacy. Though you weren't at the dinner tables with me and Alexander James last October at Hume Lake at the Youth Pastors Retreat. Some of you did work with one of his mentors, Larry Acosta, when he was a kid in our Awana programs and our youth ministries. And you might be the most tone-deaf and least poetic person in this room right now, but that spoken word is part of your poem, A Legacy. Grace, your holiness is a work of art. Your holiness our holiness, my holiness, is God's spoken word poetry. And for those of you that are rap fans, your salvation and your holiness is God's rap battle with sin. 
That's what Ephesians 2 is talking about. So we need to quit shredding to pieces God's artwork of holiness in our lives like it's the Banksy auction that Pastor Benji was using as a sermon illustration a few months ago. You might remember this picture where they sold it and then it immediately shredded halfway. We need to stop treating holiness as if it is insignificant or does not matter. It's a work of art at the hands of God in our lives. Instead, we need to recognize that God is a master artist even in the midst of our pain. And quite often it's pain that draws us to holiness. We also need to view the world around us, especially people, seven billion, as the artwork and art museum that they are. A cathedral in crumbles. Artwork that is sometimes tagged like the freeway art in Los Angeles. But the artwork of God, the master artist, nonetheless. And let that transform how you interact with the world and with people. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 says this. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We are walking around an art museum looking at the handiwork of God in the people all around us. And we need to recognize his artistry. Even though it is in crumbles, even though it is in brokenness, it is also wonderfully made. Though it may not be restored yet, It is still wonderfully made. It is still his artwork. So I want to end by reading part of my personalization of Show Baraka's words, 2006. You'll have to find me in another venue if you ever want to hear me rap it. Yes, I do rap, by the way. I don't do it often. Uh, I, for the longest time, told my youth group that begged me to do that that I would only do it if my daughter asked me and she had the audacity to grow up, reach my youth group, and then ask me. So I had to back it up. So about once a year now, I tend to do a little bit of rapping, good or bad, at Kickback in our talent show. This comes from one of them. It's a couple years ago. This is my poema tweak, very subtle tweaks, to show Baraka's original poema, But both are ultimately telling the story that God, the master artist, poema, is weaving through the realities of our lives with our autistic sons. Words 1998. I will choke up a little bit. All I wanted was a perfect life, some perfect kids with my perfect wife. Some perfect days and some perfect nights. Even though I'm flawed, I should be all right. A child with special needs wasn't what I had planned. I'm a needy man wanting more than what you put in his hands. My son is not a punishment or an accident. Just a little abstract masterpiece of what the master did. I try not to doubt the power of prayer, but many times I live just like the power ain't there. My father said he needed greater trust in the Lord, so he left a job in science and all security affords to share grace with kids in a way they understood 
He taught me more in his life than his sermon alone could. Words can be lies to help us disguise our phoniness. Feeling insecure in the midst of pride and loneliness. I learned the meaning of contentment really fast, wanting change while appreciating everything that you have. Truth is, his presence speaks much louder than when a choir sings. I never knew I'd find joy up in the smallest things. The counselor said, live long, love strong, stick together. This is a thorny rose the five of you carry forever. Pray for healing, hoping they find a cause. But after all, I resolved you were not a problem to solve. Maybe I wouldn't change you, even if some are unable to see your potential because they're blinded by the labels. In that moment, we had a breakthrough. Silence, I want to thank you. Let's pray. Lord, powerful enough to restore broken masterpieces. Things discarded and treated as useless sometimes. You redeem. You recreate. You make them new. And you are amazing at it. And Lord, while I would not wish pain on anyone, in particular myself, we need to stop treating pain as if it's a medium that you cannot work with. For you are more amazing than what our limitations of beauty is. For you take painful moments and create them into abstract artwork in a crumbling cathedral that someday you will restore to beauty we can't even imagine now. And yet we will still be your artwork on display in it. Lord, we thank you for grace, which we celebrate every day, but especially today as we turn to communion. We praise your name. Amen.